0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, we're still reading my book, The Pesky Kids 3, Stuck in the Mud, and we're up to chapter 18, which is called The Build, but I'm actually going to read chapter 19 to you today as well, because they're both super short chapters. So anyway, let's start with chapter 18 first, The Build. Here we go. Finn had persuaded Neil to help him build the course. This hadn't been hard. Finn had told Neil that he needed his help and then simply not waited for Neil to reply. This was an easy trick to pull on Neil because he always took so long to reply to anything. Sometimes he could take two or three days just to answer the simplest question like, do you need a haircut or would you like a burger for dinner? This is going to be the best mud run course ever, said Finn, as he unrolled his plans to show his friend. There's going to be a mud launcher, mud twisters and a mud fall. What's a mudfall? asked Neil. It's like a waterfall, explained Finn, only with mud. Neil nodded as he looked over the diagrams. That's a lot of mud, Finn grinned maniacally. I talked to the head of Bilgong Mining. They've got 2,000 tonnes of dirt they dug out for their tin mine. They've been looking for a way to get rid of it, and now they're going to give it all to me. But that's just dirt, said Neil. You need mud. Finn waved his hand dismissively. All I need is a little rain and it'll all be sorted. Neil scowled. He lived on a farm with his grandmother, the cat lady, so he knew from experience that rain was tricky. When it didn't come, it didn't come for ages. But Neil was a boy of few words, and there was no way he could explain the dynamics of climatology to his friend in monosyllables, so he decided not to bother. "'I just need to tell the mining company where to dump the dirt,' said Finn. "'They'll do that after the mine closes for the day, when their trucks aren't needed.' "'So what are we going to do?' asked Neil." We need to tell the construction crew how to build the obstacles, said Finn. Neil looked at the blueprint. The obstacles seemed to involve massive machines. I got the ideas from Leonardo da Vinci, explained Finn. He came up with some awesome military designs for cannons and catapults, and he only had 16th century technology. We've got computers, power tools and earth movers, so it should be a cinch. Is this safe, asked Neil, pointing to a particularly nasty looking mud cannon on the plan. Finn shrugged. There was nothing in the competition rules that said the design had to be safe. If the course was safe, it wouldn't be challenging. Will you help me? Why me? asked Neil. Finn looked at his friend. It was only a two-word question, but Finn understood all the implied meaning. Why did he ask Neil, a barely verbal short boy with chronic vertigo, to help him? I didn't want to ask my family, said Finn. They always ruin everything, or take over everything, or hijack everything. Neil looked at him expressionlessly. He didn't even blink. Finn felt like Neil was looking directly into his soul. He was going to have to tell the truth. Plus, said Finn, I don't have any other friends. Finn realised this wasn't just true for Currawong. It was true for life. He hadn't had proper friends when he'd lived in the city either. There had been the other boys from the chess club and the D&D club, but they weren't really friends. They were just like-minded people who enjoyed correcting each other. Neil didn't say anything he nodded once, which Finn understood to mean a blanket acceptance of everything Finn had proposed. Neil didn't have any other friends either. And that is the end of the chapter. But we're not going to leave it there. We'll keep going because that was so short. And we'll read chapter 19, couple status. Here we go. We need to look like a couple, said Ingrid. Dad nearly died of a heart attack. It was late on Sunday afternoon. He thought he'd snuck out to the greenhouse unseen. He'd been carefully repotting his tomato plants, but Ingrid's silent arrival had startled him. He jumped and threw potting mix all over himself. "'Goodness, why?' he wailed. "'People will be watching,' said Ingrid enigmatically. Dad looked about at the inside of the greenhouse, checking for hidden cameras or even hidden people. "'Who?' he asked. "'Who knows?' said Ingrid, with deadpan seriousness. "'But they will be watching, taking photographs. If we make one mistake, that's it.' "'They'll kill us?' asked Dad.' ''No, they'll deport me,'' said Ingrid. ''Oh,'' said Dad, ''of course, that would be bad too.'' ''I will go in this mud race,'' said Ingrid, ''you will come and cheer for me.'' Dad winced, ''Do I have to? I hate sport. It seems so pointless and sweaty.'' ''Yes, you have to,'' said Ingrid. ''It is a big event. Everyone in town will go. It will look odd if you're not there. Your children are competing.'' ''I suppose watching children play sport is what normal parents do,'' said Dad to himself. He spent so much of his life worrying about being killed by enemy agents that he had not done much normal parenting. Constant fear of death was a good excuse, but children didn't care about excuses. They wanted their parents to be like other parents, or at least not weirder than other parents. He really should make an effort. "'Will it take long?' he was thinking of his seedlings again. He didn't like to leave them on a hot day in case they needed misting. Hours, said Ingrid. "'Oh,' said Dad.' And when we are there together, said Ingrid, she paused because she knew he would not like what she had to say next, we should hold hands. Dad dropped the pot he was holding. Now he had potting mix all over his feet. The poor young tomato plant lay prostrate on the ground, but Dad didn't even glance down. Why on earth would we do that, he pleaded. It is what couples do, said Ingrid. I never held my wife's hand, said Dad. Of course not, said Ingrid. She was an international super spy. She needed to keep both hands free at all times in case of an attack. Dad was taken aback. She told me it was because I had dirty fingernails. He looked glumly at his short, stubby nails. Ever since his wife's comment, nearly two decades earlier, he had conscientiously scrubbed his nails and kept them clipped every day. But it must have been a lie. She wouldn't have cared about the dirt. She didn't care about getting blood on her hands that time in the restaurant when she broke the assassin's nose with her fist. There will be no need for kissing at this stage, said Ingrid impassively. Oh, thank goodness, said Dad, clutching his chest as his heart started to palpitate at such a terrible thought. And that is the end of the chapter, so we will leave it there. Until next time, goodbye.